This is Foghorn's Footy Chats, the podcast brought to you by myself, Foghorn, and co-hosts Lord Ben Andreas. This is football. This is a podcast. This is Foghorn's Footy Chats. Well, hello and welcome to the first podcast of the Foghorn's Footy Chat series. Today is the women's special with our guest, Lauren Peck. How are you, Lauren? I'm very well, thank you. And Hayley Wood-Thompson, how are you? Yep, great, thank you. Now, our co-host, uh, the Lord himself, Ben Andreas, he's not been able to join us today. He's actually at home babysitting, and so he's joined over the phone. So if you do hear some noises, that is why. How are you, Ben? Very well, thank you. And the noises are not from me. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that for a second. Now, obviously, um, me and you have worked together before, Ben. Uh, just give kind of the viewers a little bit of a rundown of what you've been doing within the last couple of months. Well, where do I start? Um, where I've not been in non-league, um, finishing at King Langley, I've just been sort of concentrating on my own coaching. Um, at Chelsea at the moment, uh, got a few other things coming up. Just had a boy signed to Leighton Orient, so that's always good for my one-to-ones. Um, yeah, and then working for both soccer, um, just kick myself about getting to know people and, and uh, progressing up the ladder, so to speak. Perfect. And obviously I've seen your... Uh boys uh, join uh, Leighton Orient which is great news obviously for yourself Lauren you're out injured at the moment uh, you currently play for Fulham but for those that don't know too much about you give a little bit of a rundown of your career and obviously your career outside of football as well so I spent my football career like the first bit of it at Chelsea I spent 11 years there um, there from the age of 8 to 19 um, I wanted more regular first team appearances so I left the club Went to QPR um, and then from there joined Portsmouth. Um, had an amazing two years with Portsmouth. Um, fell in love with the club completely. Now a Portsmouth supporter. Um, and then while I was at Portsmouth, that's where Watford came interested in myself. Um, put in a what they would call a transfer in for me. Um, played there for a year. Um, but while I was at the club, I injured my knee. Um, so I'd done my MCL meniscus halfway through the season. Um, which put me out until March, so pretty much the end of it. Um, wanted to fall in love with football again. Um, so that's where I had friends that played for Fulham because I'm not too far from the club. Um, and yeah, I've been there um, since the beginning of the season. Um, injured my ankle, but hopefully after after what I'm doing now, the podcast, I should be back into rehab. First training session back, which will hopefully be um, interesting. I'm looking forward to get back playing. I've missed it so much. I've been out for about five weeks now um that's five weeks too long if I'm honest so and obviously you said you have been out for five weeks what do you do to kind of keep yourself motivated during mm. that time when you physically can't get on a training pitch and kick a ball about how do you keep yourself in that professional mentality I watch a lot of match today <laughs> match today keeps me wanting to play football um I have a day job as well I work for a, an antique fireplace company um not very exciting but my day-to-day jobs keeps me busy um, and at the end of the day I know I'm going to be back playing football um, after last season being out for about 20 weeks I will give it my all to be back within the shortest space that I can um, it, I was out for too long last year and I hated it um, and now that I'm back enjoying my football and probably playing the best football I've ever played um, I, I'm just determined to be back as quick as I can now. And for those that don't know too much about a women's game, 
kind of what level are Fulham at um, in the women's like tier, so to speak? So Fulham are in the the fifth tier of women's football. Um, Fulham used to be one of the top top teams in the country. Um, and then I reckon it was probably about, how old am I? Probably about 10 years ago, um, the FA cut academies from round about 50 to down to 30. Um, so Fulham, because they were in the same region as Chelsea, unfortunately lost their um, academy licence. Um, so Fulham kind of disappeared for a good seven, eight years. Um, but a couple of years ago, they started to pick back up, putting in funding to the women's team. Um, as of a couple of years ago, Fulham ladies now are allowed to train at the Motspa, uh, Motspa Park, which is where the men train. Um, so slowly but surely, um, they're getting back up there, which is definitely a positive sign. Um, at the moment, we're sitting middle of the table, but I think next year will be will be our year to get promoted, I think. So, yeah. Is that because when you'll be back, Lauren? Of course, of course. <laughs> of course. I'm, uh, I'm looking to, uh, obviously make sure the team do as best as they can and I, I, I love my girls that I play with and I want to help them I hate being on the sideline watching them because I want to be involved I want to help them of course so um, but I've got every faith in them while I've been injured they've been playing so well while I've been out um, and I'm proud of every single person that I play with on the pitch so definitely we're looking to we're looking to sort of proceed next season and get promoted and that's where we're at at the moment Fair play to and perfect. And of course, Hayley yourself, um, you're currently playing for Stevenage. Uh, but for those that don't know too much about you, just give a rundown of your footballing career and obviously what you do outside of the pitch as well. OK, so um, I'm a little bit older than uh, Lauren over here, but um, I've been playing since I was eight years old and I, I started my career at Watford. I was there for 11 seasons. I worked my way up from under eights to the first team and I uh, made a couple of first team appearances uh, before I moved on. The reason I moved on was because I went to university in Brighton. Uh, so I had a sideways transfer and went and signed for Brighton and Hove Albion, who um, were not playing at the level that they play at now, but um, they were certainly in the, t the top tier as it was then. Um, so I did my degree and then I sort of moved back to Hertfordshire. And when I came back, I was obviously starting my teaching career. Um, so I signed for Enfield Town, and since Infield Town, I moved across to Stevenage and I've been at Stevenage for four seasons now. Like you say, you're currently playing for Stevenage at the moment. Um, kind of what tier are they in in perspective of the women's game? I know they're kind of near Harlow Town, aren't they? Yeah, so um, the way it works, obviously, you've got the Women's Super League and then you've got the Women's Championship um, and then the league sort of, uh, they filter off. So we're in what's called the FA Women's National League, but then that splits into tiers. So uh, we're in the South East league of women's national league so it sort of splits across so you've got north and south etc etc so yeah so for in terms if you relate that to the men's game it's like you've got the conference and then you've got the national league north and south it's divided and then they all go down into their leagues from yeah. there mm -hmm. um now obviously ben i know you've got some uh babysitting to do at the same time but you do have some questions for the girls so if you want to fire ahead with those uh yeah um Regarding the women's game, what was your opinions on governing bodies? As in, would you want to go the same way as the men, or would you prefer the women's game to have a separate governing body? Um, I think what people forget is women's football is a completely different game. Like the way it is at the moment, obviously, every, everyone's like, oh, equal pay and everything like that. But um, Helen Ward had an interview the other day with. Um, the Watford LGBT community and she put it perfectly 
Female footballers don't expect to be paid the same as the men. However, where the the USA are coming from, obviously they've completely warranted equal pay because they have achieved more. So women's football at the moment is, it's just different. And I, d- I think if it was governed by the same body, that it's so different and they wouldn't get it. We, as sort of a collective, have achieved so many different things a lot of women footballers have played professional football at at the same time having a full-time career and men's football is amazing don't get me wrong but a lot of male footballers have never experienced life in having to play professional football at the same time of having to have a career and I think it's just to be governed by the same people they're they're different things and I just don't think it'd work personally just coming from me obviously just quickly ben you said that you're um lauren you said that it's different mm. how would you describe to obviously the listeners mm. of how different it is between women's football and men's football well for instance i'm a defender i'm five foot men are minimum in the football game obviously excluding messi who's like five foot six ignore that but generically men are about five ten five eleven upwards like they're quicker and they're stronger, inevitable. But our technical ability is exactly the same. Like, watching female footballers have some unreal technical ability is incredible. And I think that's the, people forget that when we know we're different in that aspect, we can't physically be as quick as them. Like, I'm, I'm small, I'm not going to be as quick as Patrice Ever. You know what I mean? Things like that. It's just... Yeah, I think people forget that on a on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I think, uh, oh, I agree, but I certainly think that our game, it, it can't be seen in the same light because mm. it is entirely different. Yes, we play on the same size pitch. Yes, we have the same size goals. There's arguments about whether or not the goal should be changed because the average height of a goal is, was based on the average size of a, a male. Um, yeah. And obviously, we're not the same size. Um, it's a different game. Therefore, why shouldn't we have a separate governing body? Mm. It would make it better I think for yeah, us and it, if, if you look at the way that the FA is set up I know things are changing but it's still very much governed by men mm. um, and therefore the ideas and the, and the way it's run is from a very male aspect if we had a women's uh, separate governing body for football that was set up by women run by women for women you know you don't want it to go completely the opposite way that it's all about the girls but I do mm. think it would make a difference to our game I think we did achieve a lot more going forward yeah looking at from looking at it from that perspective um because women know what women want you know what i mean it's that it's that typical saying but at the end of the day we are different and we're not asking for the same but we're just asking for respect exactly i, I think yeah. that's what it is i think we're just asking for respect i think uh, <clears throat> excuse me i think i totally agree with both of you i think if if the men took over the women's game i think it would it would possibly go a totally different way as to what is going now um i think it is it needs to it needs to run its course basically it needs to let the women um do what they feel needs to be done rather than men trying to dictate what the women's game should be like mm. yeah perfect yeah. ben i think obviously we were speaking about or the girls were speaking about rather equal pay now i think a couple of years ago or so i think i believe correct me if i'm wrong but it was lincoln city they actually pay the men the same as the women. Now, looking from an outside point of view, obviously, 
Arsenal ladies aren't going to get paid the same as Arsenal men. There's not enough money in the game. But for the teams like your Stevenages, your Fulhams and stuff like that, do you think there should be a reasonable pay increase to kind of match the men as well so you can focus on football 100% of the time, six days training, one day game, that kind of stuff? Well, I think obviously you mentioned Lincoln, but Lincoln women are now now no longer a professional team and I think that just puts it into perspective. They tried it. Lincoln men were above because my mate currently plays for Lincoln. His name's Harry Anderson, plays for the first team, doing incredibly well and they're slowly pushing up. I think they're in League Two, doing really well for themselves. And I just think if the women were to get paid the same as the men did at their level, I just I think it's it doesn't work because I mean, you'd probably get about a hundred to two hundred fans mm. at probably paying minimum two, three pounds an entry. It's just not gonna work. I, whereas you've got Lewis ladies who currently have that equal pay, which I think is at the moment working incredibly. Lewis are doing really well for themselves in um, the championship. Um, they're pushing top teams in that league, which I love to see. They are at a higher level than the men. So uh, in respect to that, I think it works. But if you're trying to push something that's never going to work, it's going to push a team to fail, which is what happened at Lincoln. The team had to be disbanded. A lot of them moved to Notts County, and obviously Notts County aren't even a team anymore. Mm. So uh, if you're going to push something that's not going to work, it's just going to cause more harm. Obviously, the higher up you are in the leagues, I do think there is more justification in comparison to where your men's team are. But Fulham ladies are never going to be paid the same amount as Fulham men's. That's just... Not what we're not we're going to ask, not what we're going to get. But now for us to be in the fifth tier and to be allowed to train at the men's training ground, to be allowed the facilities and the physio, the gym, the astroturf, the pitches, it's, it's small steps. And we'll take that. We'll take that because at the end of the day, that's being shown respect from a men's club. At the other day, Myself and our midfielder Becky Stormer, who's our vice captain, we were invited to do a meet and greet at the f- at Craven Cottage at the same time that the men were allowed. So we were there in the store, sat down, signing autographs for people who came in and realised who we were and got so excited that the women's team were there. And I just think that's it's got to start from there. We don't we don't ask for much. Mm-hmm. If I'm honest, we don't ask for much. And you've got Megan Rapino, who's Ballon d'Or winner, and fair enough to her. However, it's got to start from the base and small steps. Yeah, what you need to think about is also in the US, obviously, their yeah, their teams, their big franchises, um, mm. the women's game to a certain uh you know, level is bigger probably mm. than the men's in, in some respects. Um, they draw massive crowds. Yeah. College football's massive thing out there or soccer. Um, they've got the finance there. They've got the sponsorship. Over here, we we don't have the, the same setting. We're behind. Yeah, yeah, like you said at Fulham, yes, small steps. At, um, previous clubs I've been at, Watford, small steps. Mm. You know, we were paying to play for most of the time yeah. that we were there. At Stevenage, we pay to play our training facilities are paid for by us paying our fees or sponsorship fees Mm. this season uh, for the first time in my career I didn't have to pay my own fees because I got a sponsor and at 31 years of age I finally got a sponsor (laughs) it's it's a good place to be because it shows that you know women's football is on the rise and people are willing to sponsor us 
um, I'm a relative no one and I still managed to, to get one and I literally got it from social media. Mm. Um, the company that sponsored me um, is the Jack Wilshere NCF Elite programme which is like a little football academy. It's doing really, really well and they've got a girl section. So for them, it was in their best interest to sponsor a, a girl so they can have a bit of a link, you know, and, and show young girls that they're mm. coaching that there is a pathway upwards. So for, so for me, that was perfect. Mm. Um Within the last two years, I've definitely noticed the amount of sponsorship yeah. has gone through the roof. Especially, yeah, the last two years, it's been uh, it's been amazing. Companies, individuals. Um, I was lucky enough to be sponsored at Portsmouth um, by a gentleman called Dave Rodriguez and his family, and he works at IBM. And I've now had a great friendship from him, and I went to his wedding. Like little things like that, mm. where they're willing to sponsor you to play football and. Do you know what? It was the the best thing that like, I'd ever done because I didn't have to pay. Made my life easier, but at the end of the day, you gained friendship from a family completely. Yeah, you, I mean, you touched on it earlier. You said that, obviously, n- we're balancing full-time jobs, mm. um, playing, coaching. You know, I'm a full-time teacher, and anyone who knows anything about <laughs> the education sector at the minute knows yeah. how busy it is. So to balance my playing career, uh, training on top of my full-time teaching job, and a coach as well... It's a lot of things and just for somebody to pay my fees for me, it's just like oh, something else that, you know, is it's that relief. Off. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's off. It's off. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's kind of one less thing I need to worry about. Yeah, of course. So you're not a bad coach either, Hayley. Oh, thanks, Ben. <laughs> okay. So with myself, obviously, um, like you're saying, sponsorship, I actually sponsor one of the Harlow ladies players. I break it in payments because there's no way I could afford it up front on my wage. Um, so obviously, the thanks I got from her, obviously she's a singer and stuff like that, it's Georgia Boxer, Harlow Town Ladies. The thanks I got from them, the women are almost more thankful than the men's mm. for sponsorships. And what I've noticed as well, the respect, whether the coach is a man or a woman, the respect levels mm. are a lot higher in the women's game. I've noticed that it's yes coach, this coach, where men are a little bit more argumentative with their managers. Mm. Why do you think that is? We have to go through a lot. I think as being a female footballer, there's expectation, just Twitter, social media. You have to, when you get to football, it's the one thing that you love. And if you're rude and argumentative, what's the point of being there? You're there to be coached and be educated. No matter what age you are, there's always time to learn. And I think that's the mentality that female footballers have because they they, they pay to be there and things like that. They they want to they want to learn. Um Whereas guys that go through the academies are, are brought up in this bubble mm. um, that it's, it's just not real life. And I, th- I genuinely think that's what it is. And it's very rare, not that I'm having a go at male footballers at all, but it is very rare that you come across a genuine male footballer who is completely down to earth, knows where he comes from. I mean, it does happen, don't get me wrong. And you also get it in the women's game where you get very big-headed players. I'm not saying that at all, <laughs> but... I think I genuinely think that's where it sort of stems from the the having to work jobs, having to go through college. Right? A lot of male footballers leave foot, leave college at, and school at sixteen mm-hmm. because they get scholarships, they get to do education through football. So I, I, I genuinely think that's where it where it stems from wanting to wanting to learn and wanting to be educated no matter what. Mm. From my point of view, I think it's more to do with the fact, like at, at Stevenage, the majority of the coaching staff are volunteers yeah of course they're not being paid so you know they're giving up their time for free 
to coach us and to teach us something new and like you said you, you, you're never too old to, to, to stop yeah, learning exactly. um so you've got to appreciate it we're giving up our time because we want to do well and we enjoy it and like you said it's the one time probably in my day where mm. I'm not thinking about everything else that I'm supposed to be doing and it's kind of like my release so mm. I want to be there and I want to be respectful enjoying it as well enjoying it and I, I want to soak up as much as I possibly can from the people that are obviously offering me their time well, that's a really good insight, obviously, into the women's game. We will come back to more questions after the break. But for now, we are going to play a song from our song sponsor, so to speak, who's given us a license to do his music, which is DJ SKT, Right Before My Eyes.
Welcome back to Foghorn's Footy Chats, the women's special with myself, co-host Ben Andreas, and our guest today, Lauren Peck and Hayley Wood-Thompson. And that was DJ SKT right before my eyes. So before we get back into the football chat, are you two girls a fan of house music at all? I, I like how, to be fair, I like any type of music, if I'm honest. So yeah, I'm all good. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to name you any house DJs, but <laughs> I listen to it. Why not? <laughs> well, DJ SKT is definitely up there with the best, so thanks for providing the music. Now, um, during the halftime break, uh, Ben did message me um, a question directly for you, Lauren, about a charity match and a bit of abusing that went on from your side. So could you give the viewers a bit of a... Uh, a uh, yeah. into that. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> she is not getting first say in this. <laughs> oh, God. All right, go on then, Ben. So what was your view on it? Well, there was a throw-on down the left-hand side and it was coming straight to me and I felt assaulted from behind and <laughs> I couldn't. I physically couldn't get up. Okay, so I, I was playing in a charity football match called, uh, for a gentleman who passed away and I was playing for um, the side called... Uh, well, I was for the celebrity side, funnily enough, even though I'm definitely not a celebrity. Um, so I was playing for them. So I was playing as like a, a right wing, sort of right wing back role because I was very fortunate and had Paul Koncheski play right by my side, of course, a film legend. Um, so he was like, yeah, get up the pitch, it's fine. So I was playing against Ben. Ben was put on the, the, the left wing. I was playing as a, a right wing back. Uh, it was a throw on. I sort of was behind him, gave him a little bit of a nudge because I'm five foot. Ben's about six foot two, six foot three. I was like, I need to let him know that I'm there, obviously. So I gave him a bit of a push in the back and he fell over like he was diving like Tom Daly. <laughs> like, I'll definitely give him 10 points for that. He fell over like there was no tomorrow. So I think you've um, portrayed there and done something that most non-league footballers have wanted to do to Ben at some point in their careers. I mean, probably, yeah. I mean, that's likely. Sorry, Ben. Was you booked for that occasion? Yeah, because you um, definitely played on it. You were a bit of a drama queen. But it was rolling round. 100%. 100% rolling round. <laughs> I then got you carded. Was, you, was, you was booked. So in the name of the law, you're in the wrong. No, you definitely played on it. I mean, I got booked in a charity football match. I think that says it all. Really. It definitely doesn't stand. <laughs> it definitely doesn't stand. No, not a thing. So there's no £25 to the Essex FA or anything like that? that no, definitely not. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> um, now, obviously, Ben, um, we introduced you as Lord Ben at the beginning of this podcast. We have actually had some texts in asking why you are called Lord Ben Andreas. Why is that? Oh, it's just something that um, I got bought for as a Christmas present um, a few years ago, like a Lord of the Manor thing, um, and I just play on it, and it, it gets uh, gets me a little bit of abuse at times because people are like, "Well, why are you a Lord? Why are you a Lord?" But um, so yeah, you're officially a Lord. Officially a Lord, yeah. I haven't done anything to gain that, but I am officially a Lord. Now we was talking off air briefly. Um, obviously about the United States. Obviously, they won the World Cup in uh, 2019. England got to the semi-final, and I think it's fair to say it was the first World Cup where the nation kind of got captured by women's football. There was men going down the pub watching women's football. And we actually have a question from the Walthamstow FC media manager, Aaron Moore, for you both, asking how has the women's game changed since the World Cup this year? I think from... 
sort of the World Cup, I think the perspective has changed. People's ideas of women's football has opened. Um, people are more intrigued by it because um, we do understand that it's something that's not um, sort of in in the public eye. We we do get that. So for for the BBC to put all their efforts into show the Women's World Cup meant everything to us because it put us on a platform, meant that we could show our ability and people saw us for the raw talent that we are. And I think that's genuinely where it just stemmed from, really. Yeah, um, coming obviously from a teaching point of view, it was amazing. For the first time in my career in eight years, I had boys, lots of teenage boys, talking to me about the women's game and engaging with me about it. And I was obviously blown away because it's all I've ever wanted yeah, for them. Of course. But, um, you know, I showed them clips from the games. The BBC were really good. At, they had like a roundup every day of the games that had happened the night before um, with all the goals and stuff. And it was just good to be able to, to talk to young boys and young girls about what was going on and actually then be able to engage with it because it was on social media it was on the tv and they could actually access it mm. um which i think makes the biggest difference because in previous uh, world cups there's not been as much coverage you know it just hasn't been on such a big scale if you think about this year how they went about um releasing the names of who had been picked they used celebrities which was amazing because that was shown on instagram and snapchat and things like mm. that um lots of people engage on those platforms therefore it was like a, oh my god david beckham is announcing the england team and there was all kinds of celebrities from you know musicians mm. radio djs um footballers etc cetera, etc cetera, legends in the game and it was just great to see there was a, a massive buzz around the world yeah, cup this definitely. year um and also with, you think of the money that got put into it as mm. well the the lucas tv advert the the nike mm. and the adidas creating the women's kits it's the first world cup that's had every single team mm. in the world cup wearing a women's fit kit you look at the the seasons before and the world cups before <laughs> you've got half the, half the teams especially the poorer nations wearing men's five times hand-me-down kit that they're having to roll the shorts up and tuck the shirts in and it's so baggy, it's almost holding him back in the wind. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it sounds silly, but how much more professional do you mm. feel when you wear um, oh, a, a kit yeah. that fits you? It's It makes a huge difference. Mm. Um, obviously, I'm like five foot two. If I've got a big kit, which I did for the majority <laughs> of my career, my socks are having to be rolled over three times and my shorts, I've, I'm having to tie them up so tight so they don't fall down. Uh, and I was just it made it look so much more professional seeing these, you know, unbelievable athletes on the TV and looking the part. Yeah, and I think earlier, I don't know if you even noticed that you mentioned it, but they were the England team. Like, because obviously the men and the women's World Cups are obviously showed at different times because of just the way the years have worked. When the women's World Cup was on, it was, they are England. And that mm. was it. They are England, they are representing the country, and that was the most important thing. And I genuinely think that's where people picked up on it, was because it, they were just England. And they were representing the country, Country. they were had the pride, they were so proud to be wearing those, but that badge on their shirt. And I, ge I genuinely think that's where people come, like saw it, and all the women were singing the world, uh, were singing the, the national anthem. Uh, I, I genuinely think it was just the pride of it playing for England and it's such a rarity and for the men's team it's become such a norm because they play so many games on such a large scale for the England women's team to play on that big of scale it's just you could see them bursting with pride 
Um, and I think that's where it probably caught on because it's so contagious. Mm. And it's, I think it's just that. The majority of men that spoke to me about it w- were saying you can see how much it means to them yeah. just from watching the way they perform and the, and the way they compose themselves after the game in you know the post-match interviews. Mm. And honestly, women do it for next to no money. Mm. It's not about the money. They do it for their absolute raw passion for the game and because they enjoy it so much and, you know... Whatever you do, if you get a chance to represent your country, that's going to be one of the biggest things that you do in your life. Mm. So, and I think, yeah, you touched on it earlier, saying it was promoted more. See, I'm 24, so more, before I started going to football games myself, the only kind of real, um, what's the word, like the exposure to women's football was once a year, it was the FA Cup women's final, and it was always Arsenal yeah. v somebody on yeah. BBC. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this year, obviously I've watched Harlow Town Ladies um, quite a considerable amount of times. I went to Chelsea v Birmingham or Everton one a, a couple of years ago. But this World Cup in 2019, I was generally as gutted when England lost that mm. semi-final as we did when the men lost the semi-final against Croatia. And okay, you didn't, the pubs weren't seething like they was in the Men's World Cup but you had people there and you had people actually generally interested within the game. Yeah. So I think this World Cup has obviously helped from a nation's point of view. But on a, res- a retrieving respective role to that, I think the American team kind of let the women's game down from a man's perspective. Mm. Because without using the phrase and making it sound derogatory, the dinosaurs that think women can't play football, it should just be men. With Megan Rafino especially she didn't put herself in a good light mm. what would you say to the men kind of well men and women but don't particularly like football or are just set on men's football what would you say to them for saying that isn't a representative of our game that is just an ego that you get in a men's game oh, i think it's just one person she's an incredible athlete obviously mm, yeah. um, politics politics aside she's a fantastic footballer and she deserves everything that she got this season mm-hmm. um you get it in the men's game. You know, one Ronaldo. Per- one person yeah. doesn't define a team or, you know, a whole demographic of people. So, you know, fair play to what she does on the pitch, what she does with the politics and all that. That's that's a bonus to the football, or, you know. Yeah. It's completely separate. You can't pick up on those little things. I think the press as well, yes, they're giving us a lot more back in. Yes, there's more exposure. But any little thing that's maybe a little bit controversial, they're obviously picking up on. And then for people who don't know much about women's football, they read about that and they're like, oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's the only thing they see because it is controversial. Yeah. It's the thing that gets picked up. It's the thing that's going to be published the most. It's um, it's like if anything's good that it's in the women's game, like this whole um, Alec, uh, Alex Scott on Strictly Come Dancing, it wasn't really focused on. Yeah, but no, I agree. Then, but then they focus on what that Megan... Um, did for the USA, and that was all over the papers. That was, oh, mm. she's so arrogant, blah, blah, blah. Um, but at the same time, when Alex Scott's promoting the women's game on Strictly Come Dancing, because she used to play for Arsenal, she used to play for England, and it's, it's a whole big thing for the women, what, um, what, they, can, what they can grow to. Um, <coughs> sorry about that. What they can grow to. Um, they they're not picking up on it they they just want to pick up on the bad and the negative press and and that's what that's what this world's all about mm. at the moment it's all about negativity mm. and there's no like oh <clears throat> the women got to the semi final that's the best thing that could ever happen it's like it's like oh it's um 
the women fouled because they didn't get to the final. Yeah, no. Sort I, of yeah. thing. I think with um, individuals like Alex, her being on Strictly Come Dancing and her having um, the exposure that she's getting with all the match of the day and the commentary and all the TV work she's doing, that that just shows how far the women's game mm. has come. She's a fantastic ambassador for the game and for her to get you know a prime time spot on Strictly Come Dancing on mainstream TV on a Saturday night where the exposure is so big and mm. so many people see it that just shows how far the game's come in that sort of women's footballers are getting those kinds of opportunities now this has never really happened before um prime example I'm in the pub watching Watford that's my team um with my dad uh, it's full of full of men watching the game um, the commentary is on uh, it was Sky Sports or something and there was uh, a number of females on a panel it's about a panel of seven men um, and three women or something and the comments that I'm listening to in the pub from from these men is mm-hmm. oh this is going a bit far now there's too there's too many women involved there was three on the panel of, of, of <laughs> seven, the seven men um, you know they're not used to seeing these women on, on the TV and I think it's fantastic. It's so good mm. for the game. There's so, you know that big employers, TV channels are getting ex-players on for commentary and you know match analysis and all those things. That these opportunities did not exist three years ago. It's come a long, yeah. long way. There was you know the the standard people, Claire Baldin, she she pops up, um, and there's yeah. been a, a couple of real figurehead women that have been around for a few years. With, certainly with the um, lionesses being on TV, um, but in terms of it being on mainstream and women commentating on men's game and sitting on panels for the Premier League and match of the day, it's completely different. And that it just shows how far the game has come in the last few years. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, all I have to say to, like, the men and the women that don't agree with, obviously, females playing football is if you had a little girl that aspired to be a female footballer, what would you say to her then? Would you say that she can't do it? Because it's just, it's not a thing. You'd want to encourage her. I started playing football at an age where female football wasn't big, but no matter what, my dad encouraged me to do it so much. Exactly the same for me. Yeah, and just, it it does annoy me because I think to myself, what if you had a little girl that just wanted to do what she loved? Some of them do. I know, I know. And the, I the comments you see on Twitter, um, you see lots of people engaging in conversations about women's football on Twitter, and I love reading the comments. Oh, I know, I love it. <laughs> so, so many of the things on there are quite derogatory or bigoted, yeah. and it does make me wonder, do these men who are saying these things have, daughters? Ha- have children? Yeah. Do they have daughters? Because surely that is not something that you want them to see. No. That leads me on to one of two questions, actually. The first one, um, reverting back to what you were saying about pundits on the TV, is that something that you two would be interested in going forward, actually punditing, whether it's women's football or men's football? Wow, what a question. I mean, I'll, I'll have a chat, so <laughs> I'll do it. I'll have a chat. Well, tonight's a start anyway. Um, <laughs> it would be a bit of a career change for me if I was, obviously I've been yeah, teaching now for, teacher. for eight years. Um, but I mean, yeah, why not? I mean, I work in antique fireplaces so I think that'd be a massive change <laughs> but yeah why not and obviously you were just saying about how um like Lauren your dad supported you and told you if you want to play football go and play football mm. in perhaps a time where women's football wasn't as big what would you say now to girls who are watching the women's football I know Lucy Bronze is a massive 
a massive idol to young girls. What would you say to them if they are getting picked on by boys saying you can't play football? What would your kind of pet talk be? Just ignore them. I mean, I went through a stage in school where I was a massive tomboy. All I wanted to do was at break was play football. And I was the only girl and probably the only girl throughout my whole secondary school life. I just do what you want to do. At the end of the day, you'll finish school and those people won't matter. What matters at the end of the day is what you've enjoyed and what you've loved. Um, I can't stress that enough. Just do what makes you happy because at the end of the day, you're going to have a happier life and a better career from it. And obviously, Hayley yourself, you're a teacher, so you teach young girls on a daily basis. Have any of them been coming up to you saying, I want to play football? How do I start playing football? And is it okay to play football, really? What have you kind of had to deal with with your students? Well, to be honest, um, my job ever since I started teaching, obviously my passion is football. All I wanted to do when I uh, got, got the job at the school that I work in now is obviously share my passion with the students there so lucky for me when I got there there was already um girls football at the school it was already a thing uh, so I just jumped on that bandwagon and we've just grown it and we've had some absolutely fantastic players come through and in the eight years I've worked there you know we've got um girls that have had England camps and things like that and when we first met them they were literally playing in a little boys team for example um I can't name drop because she's under 18 but um <laughs> you know it's it's never been a thing of girls can't do this, especially, you know, in some schools it is, but not in our school. Uh, we have a girls football team in every single age group. Um, obviously, I coach. Um, the team that I coach are the under-16 Hertfordshire County team. So a lot of the students that I teach in my own school um, sometimes get trials with the county and, you know, sort of, it's it's always been a thing at our school. It's very sort of at the front. And because our girls' teams have been really successful, they've won county cups and they've progressed in the national cup, uh, we've had a couple of seasons where we've progressed further in the girls' competition than we have in the boys. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big thing at our school. So, so for our girls, certainly, it, they're quite lucky because it's there. But um, I would say in our district, you know, there's lots of opportunities for girls to get involved with football, mm. um, girls and boys. Um, the, the company... Um, that was coaching for um that Ben works for um that there was a girls group there and there's little boys and you know it's it's completely acceptable if we're trying to i suppose grow the game in our area as much as we possibly can to give the girls the platform to start if there was nothing around for me and Lauren to do when we were mm-hmm. 8 years old would we be playing now probably not we were lucky mm-hmm. our parents pushed us um and gave us the support that we needed and certainly my dad drove me around the country yeah. For the, for the majority of my playing years until I could drive. And, um, you know, that's in, that's important, but there has to be somewhere for them to start. There has to be a platform, whether that means at your school team, whether that means at a local club, there has to be those opportunities. And I think that's probably one of the number one things that has changed um, since we started out playing is the opportunities for girls are so much larger. Um, there is so many options now. There's so many clubs popping up everywhere it's growing and it's growing fast and and that's the main difference from where we started I think. And Ben yourself obviously you're a coach and I know we've discussed it um, in the past you obviously teach uh, young lads to play football you also teach a few young girls. One of the big things that people say to me about non-league football and women's football is the technicality isn't there but you've seen from first-hand point of view that actually that's a myth and the girls are just as good, if not better, than the boys. Yeah, I mean, um, it, <clears throat> there's no difference. There, There is no difference. Yes, some of the men are a lot bigger than the women, 
Um, but at the same time, at the same time, they're still as technically as good. I mean, I'm coaching a girl who plays with Tottenham at the moment, and she's technically as good as some some players that I've seen and I've played with. So it's not as if it's it's not technically. I've played against Lauren. She's a she's okay. But, um, Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Cheers, mate. But, really appreciate yeah, that it's, plug. It's um, I mean, yeah. It's I, I don't see why the women's game gets such a bad rep from from men. The same like you get women on on analysis shows and all stuff like this and I've seen comments online people saying oh why is she on it why is she doing this I mean the, there's a goalkeeper that's quite regular on the um, BT thing I can't remember her name um, but she she gives a good insight into the game she knows what she's talking about just because she's a woman doesn't mean that her opinion is any different to anyone else's doesn't mean that what she knows, what she's she's been taught by playing at a top level at the women's game is no different to what what someone like Robbie Savage or um, Tim Cahill or something like that has been taught. It, she knows the game like everyone else. And I, and I don't see why there should be um, less women on, on analysis shows and, um, and, and talk sport and, and all stuff like that because they know what they're talking about. And just because they're a woman doesn't mean that their opinions are any different to to what mine or or what anyone else's opinion would be like. I think you have that opinion because you work in the game and obviously you work mm. with girls. Um, you currently coach girls and boys, and you're you're sort of you're in the game, so you understand. But I think a lot of the bigoted comments come from men who live in a man's world. Lack who, of knowledge. Lack of knowledge. Lack of experience. They haven't been around the women's game. It's all new to them. So. Therefore, they are wondering, well, who are these people on these on my TV channel that are talking about? What do they know about it? But because there's been such a lack of coverage for so many years, these these people, I guess, are unknowns to people who don't have that experience mm. or knowledge of the game. Obviously, it's great for us because we're seeing probably people who are idols when we were growing up now on TV and are making a career out of football, which never was a thing. The reason the majority of you know the players who are retiring now have probably had full-time jobs whilst they've been playing or certainly part-time uh, up to this point it's only been really the last couple of years that they've actually had the opportunity to sort of merge a full-time job into football and, and sort of take up the other opportunities that come alongside of playing punditry commentary coaching etc etc all you've got to do is listen to them they, they're talking sense it's not as if they're talking rubbish and they don't know what they're talking about and they don't know terminology and all stuff like that. Just listen to them. That's all you've got to do. Just listen to them and, and you'll realise that they know as much and sometimes more than what some of the some of the men know. Well, unfortunately, um, we're going to have to wrap this podcast up. If the listeners do want this again and want a uh, part two, then I'm sure the girls won't mind coming in and doing a part two. Um, so thank you for your time. Um, before we do go, obviously, Ben... Um, our next episode after this, it should be out, should be with the legendary John Sitton, the man that made the line, bring your dinner famous. A uh, quick one from yourself, Ben, is that one that you're looking forward to and what should the listeners expect from that podcast? Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, it's always good to to talk to older heads in the game and, and listen to what they've got to say because obviously they'll have, they'll have lots and lots of stories and um, it's always, as I said, it's always good to listen to like ex-pros, ex-managers, and just listen to how they go about things. 
um, coaching wise, managing wise, and and how they sort of portray the the professional game because we see it as always a uh, oh fancy cars and um, lavish houses and all stuff like that. But then you look at the the other side to it where they've got to deal with um, sometimes mental health or um, being threatened and all stuff like that online. So yeah, it's 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 always good to get a get an insight into the the other side of the game from someone who's who might have experienced it. Well, certainly it's definitely going to be an episode to look forward to. So it's been myself, Foghorn, my co-host Ben Andros, our lovely guests today, Lauren Peck and Haley Wood Thompson. And if people want to find, um, obviously the guests on social media, what is your Twitter handle, Lauren? Um, I'm Lauren underscore underscore Peck. And yours? And um, mine is HWT underscore PE. And yours, Ben? Benny Boy 009, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Please follow us on Twitter at F95 Footy Chats. Catch you next time. If you like what you've heard, rate and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.